also apologize. I don't have as loud of a voice as Nick does, so just bear with me. Um, I'm excited to be talking to all of you this evening. Um, so we are going to be picking up in Exodus 14. Um, so I'm going to be talking about Moses and the crossing of the Red Sea this evening. Um, so our passage is Exodus 14, 10 through 30. So if you want to follow along, you can. I'm reading the ESV. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? It is not... Uh, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud of darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to, their, to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all of the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So that was a very long passage. 
Um, so the crossing of the Red Sea, um, some of you, this might be a Sunday school story that you're familiar with. Um, if you aren't familiar with it, um, I'm just going to kind of go back and pick up where Kennedy left off last week talking about the burning bush. So in between the burning bush and um, this passage that we just read, God sent Moses back to Egypt where his people, the Israelites, were. So the Israelites were in slavery under the Egyptians, um, and they'd been under slavery for over 400 years. So to put that in perspective, you know, we just celebrated the 4th of July. Um, does anybody know how old our country is? Yeah, one of you boys? Mm, it's even younger than that. You know what it is? Yeah, 247 years. So that's how old the entire country of the United States is. But the Israelites here, here, bear with me. The Israelites here have been in slavery for over 400 years. That's a really long time. Um, I mean, our country is much, much younger. And so all of these Israelites... All they've ever known is slavery to the Egyptians. They've grown up here. Their grandparents have grown up here in slavery, probably their great-great-grandparents. Um, and so this was a big deal when God sent Moses back to Egypt to free them from their slavery. So Moses went back to Egypt, and um, then we experienced the 12 plagues. And so I don't have the time to go into all of this, but Moses would go before Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. And each time Pharaoh would be like, mm, no, I'm not going to let your people go. I want to keep them in slavery here. And then God would send a plague. And so there were a bunch of different plagues. Um, I mean, they ranged from turning the Nile River into blood, um, from frogs and locusts. And then the last plague, the 12th plague, was the worst one of them all. And this was death of the firstborn son of every Egyptian household. Um, and so this included the Pharaoh's household. And not only was this a big deal for, um, for Pharaoh losing one of his sons, but this also was a big deal because this was the next Pharaoh in line. Um, his oldest son was to be the next Pharaoh. And after God sent this plague, um, Pharaoh finally said, you know what, Moses, take your people, take your God with you too, and get out of this land. Um, and so God delivered his people from Egypt and from slavery, and he led them into the wilderness. And when the Israelites got into this wilderness, um, they came up to the Red Sea. And so the Red Sea, I tried to look for a good picture, but nothing kind of put it in perspective. It's not as big as like the Atlantic or the Pacific or anything, um, but it's still, it's not your James River. It's, it's a pretty big body of water. Um, it's something that you could not cross um, without a boat or any sort of other device. Um, and so the Israels got here, and they were just kind of stuck because there was no way they were getting around the sea. But even worse, as we read through this passage, the Egyptians were actually following them. Pharaoh had changed his mind and decided that he still wanted these people to be in slavery, and he didn't want them to be freed anymore. And so the, um, the Israelites, they're now in this huge predicament. They are just surrounded by death. It's either death by water and death by drowning, or it's death by these angry Egyptians that are chasing them on chariots with spears. Um, and so... 
they, they're just kind of stuck and they don't know what to do. So just kind of think to yourself, like, is there ever a moment that you have felt like you're just stuck um, or that you're just surrounded by these walls and you don't know what to do, how to act? Um, for some of you rising seniors, maybe that's the thought of graduating and going on to college or looking for schools. Those of you who are freshmen or rising sixth graders, maybe that's going into a completely new school. For some of you, you could have walls of just loneliness um, or having been betrayed by a friend. Or maybe there's something that you're going through with your family or a loved one and you're having these questions of, like, why am I having to go through this? Why is this person that I know having to go through this kind of situation? Um, and we find ourselves... Um, reacting in a very kind of specific way, um, a very similar way that the Israelites respond to. Um, and so we're going to read back through verses 10 through 12 again. So here it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, It is because... Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away in the wilderness? What have you done to, bring, done to us in bringing us out to Egypt? This is not this what we said to you in Egypt. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For what, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So immediately reading this, you can see the um, Israelites they have three big points of reaction. They respond in fear, they forget God's faithfulness, and they respond with fury towards God. Um, and so, first of all, the fear is a very understandable. They are here, God just delivered them from Egypt, and all of a sudden, they're just surrounded by these walls of death, and there's no escaping, and they're completely trapped, and they don't know what to do. Um, but they also forget, they forget God's faithfulness and how he had literally just delivered them from Egypt in these 400 years of slavery, which is a big deal. And they also respond with fury. God, why would you free us if you were just going to take us back out into the wilderness in the middle of nowhere to die? If that's the case, why couldn't we just still be living in slavery where we know we're going to still be alive? Um, and so this can just allow us to think about what are some places um, or how do you respond when you are faced with these walls of death? What is your initial reaction? Some of you, it might just be anger and you just get angry. Um, some of you, you might try to blame someone else in your life or some other circumstance or something. Um, for myself, in these kind of situations, I kind of try to pretend it's not happening and try to forget it and ignore it. Um, but even in the midst of all of this, even though um, being led into the wilderness and being faced by what seems just inevitable death, this is God's way, and it's his way of grace. Um, God purposefully creates these places where we are weak. He purposely puts us in places where we feel weak and helpless and um, feel like we can't save ourselves. And there is a purpose in this because when we are in places of 
utter desperation and when we are in places where we feel absolutely helpless and vulnerable, that's when we realize like, wait, we can't save ourselves. We can't help ourselves get out of this situation. There's nothing that we can do to make this any better. And we realize how much we need someone who can save us. And this is where God comes into play. And we see that God alone is the one that can save us. God alone is the one that can help us, that can take us out of this wilderness and make a way through these walls of death. Um, And so we must become less focused on the route that God takes us down and become more focused on what he's doing. And it's very easy. It's when we are on these routes of just... um, And everything seems out of control. Nothing seems to be going right. It just is like, God, why would you be allowing me to experience this kind of thing? These are the moments um, where we fear, we forget, we respond in fury. But God is still there, and he is still providing a way. And so then in this passage, we see again that even in though the Israelites um, are responding with fear and forgetting what God has done and responding with fury, God still makes a way and parts the Red Sea for them. Um, And so that said, there is a lie that we can commonly believe. um, And it's this lie that we will have an easy life being Christians um, and that we can always expect God to show up in the same ways and to part the seas the same way that he has in the past. But this is not true. We aren't promised an easy life as believers. Um, But yet again, we can see that even though we may have hard times in our lives, it's ultimately to show us just how much more we need a savior and how much more we are helpless and we need a God who can save. Um, And so verses 13 Um, through 14, we can read, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So here again, we can see um, just three new ways that we should react when we see these walls in front of us. When we see these giant seas, um, we must rely, remember, and repent. So instead of fearing and acting out of fear, and God, like, I don't know what to do. This is really scary. I'm not sure what you want from me. We need to rely on God and trust that even though this isn't the path that we would have taken in life, that it's ultimately for our own good, but for his glory. We also need to remember how God has been faithful. Just like the Israelites, God had been so faithful. He had just delivered them from 400 years of slavery. And even though he had led them out into the wilderness, he still wasn't done working, that with, done working with them. And he was still doing a work in all of their lives. And we also must repent. Um, we must repent of getting angry with God and coming to a place and realizing, God, you know what? I am sinful. I am broken. And you are good. Um, And I need you to save me. I can't save myself. And so 
um, this place of repentance is very important. So this also just gives us an opportunity to think about how can we act differently when we're in these places and we feel surrounded by these walls of death. Um, So just some takeaways from this is that, first of all, God is always faithful. Um, He promised deliverance from Egypt for the Israelites, and he did just that. He delivered. Um, And just as he delivered the Israelites, God has also created a way um, that we all can be delivered and receive salvation um, through the cross. And so as humans, we are all surrounded by death. We have these walls of death all around us, but God has been good and has sent his son to die on the cross so that he could part the Red Sea through our death. He could make a way through our death so that we have a chance to have salvation um, and be in communion with him forever. Um, And so all of this to say we may have really big fears and really big doubts in our lives and big questions and big concerns, but in the midst of all of this, God is bigger. So if there's just one takeaway that I want you all to um, just kind of stick with you is that God is bigger than everything you're facing, and he has a plan for your life, and he is going to show up and can show up in ways that you don't expect, maybe ways that you don't necessarily enjoy, but even in the midst of all of that, he is working in and through your lives. Um, So that's all I have to say. So I'm going to just pray us out. Dear Lord, um, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather here um, and read your word together. Um, Lord, I pray that as we all go on to our own lives, um, after a small group and after being here, Lord, that you would just continue to reveal to us um, ways that we can react um, to you, react in ways where we rely on you, remember your faithfulness, and repent of our sin. Um, Lord, I ask that you would just continually remind us um, and that we would feel your presence as we're all walking through our own Red Seas, and facing all of these different walls of deaths in our own lives. Um, Lord, just comfort us and be with us um, and give us the strength that we need. Um, And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.